0: Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. I ask you something. Is there anything that you can think of in your life that you would have liked to do that you simply have never been able to do? It can be something as simple as um, I would have, I've always wanted to be able to draw or to sing, or it could be something on a deeper level, um, whatever it may be. I want you to think about that thing for just a moment, because that's just a fraction of the impossibility that this blind man must have, must have felt. He was blind from birth. He had never, ever seen anything. How do you describe light to somebody who's never seen it? You know, these things are so, they're so inherent to, to our experience of life. They're so, they're so much just part of life that we don't even, I don't even have words to, 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 to explain what light is. Uh, I mean, what's light? It's this—it's this energy which is very bright, and because of it, you can see other things. None of that means anything to someone who's never seen—who's never seen light. Uh, it would be like if—if—if if, if you've always had a childhood dream of flying, without—not in an airplane, that is, you know, or on a hang glider, just flying, you know, just. Jumping from the third story, don't try this at home, you know, right? And taking off higher and higher and flapping your arms and and going up or whatever, you know? Whatever dreams you have are, are totally legit, right? This guy had never, ever seen anything. And Jesus doesn't introduce what he's doing. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and then he spits and takes some mud and puts it on the guy's eyes and tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he goes. He doesn't tell him, he doesn't promise him, you know, go and wash and you will receive, you know, you'll be healed. Or He just tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, period. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There was no promise of vision. There was no, just told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And he does it. This man, I'm, I am mesmerized by this man. I cannot wait to meet this man in paradise. I have so many questions to ask him. What was he thinking when the disciples were having a conversation and they were pontificating about, is it his sins or his parents' sins, the reason that he... What was he feeling? What was he thinking? Did he hear them? Hopefully he didn't, because it's not a very nice conversation to be a witness to, to, of, right? And then what was he thinking when some person just took mud and put it on his eyes? I don't know. I would be insulted if some random person just took mud and splotched it on my eyes. Something, there was something mysterious, there's something mysterious about this man. That's the, the first thing that gets me about this reading, about the reading of this gospel. The second thing which really irks me, every single time this gospel is read, I get really annoyed. Forgive me. God, forgive me. I'm not annoyed by your word, Lord, but I'll tell you. The Pharisees have this conversation with him. Who opened your eyes? Jesus opened my eyes. Really? Did Jesus open your eyes? Yes, Jesus opened my eyes. Who opened your eyes? Jesus opened my eyes. Like, after a while, I'm like, figure it out already. Even the man gets fed up of them asking him. And he asks, he asks them a question, which I think is the key, I don't know, I think it's the key to why he was willing to do what Jesus asked him to do. They ask him, how did he open your eyes for like the 17th millionth time? Right? And he answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Jesus is asking you and me today. You're not going to hear anything new here at church. You're not, the liturgy is the same liturgy that we prayed last week, right? And this is the 17th millionth iteration of of your living the last supper with the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, this blind man, this beggar, is asking you, and he's asking me: Do you want to be his disciple? Yes or no? This uh, uh, week was Jonah's fast, and we were we we were thinking and contemplating and and discussing about uh, uh, you know the, what the. One of the most basic prayers in Judaism, uh, which is called the Shema Israel, And the word Shema means listen or hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we were talking about what the word hear means, and that the word hear doesn't only mean to, like, to perceive sound, but it means to, to, to hear and to listen, to obey. Like, like when, a, when a parent looks at their child and says to them, you're not listening to me. I told you to put your shoes away. They're not saying that to their to their child because the the the, the child has some you know like you know auditory disability uh, you know they can't hear they need hearing aids. They're not they're saying because the kid heard just fine but still didn't put still didn't go and put their shoes away. They're saying you didn't you didn't act on it. You didn't obey. Look what, the, look, what the, look what the man says, the blind man says to the Pharisee. He says, I told you already, but, and you did not listen. He's like, I've told you about five times already, this man created eyes for me. He's trying to tell them, my expectation would have been that you would have gotten up and ran out of here to go and find him. To go and see him, to go and talk to him. But you're still standing here asking me, Really? Who opened your eyes? So the, the man, the, the man who was born blind, is, is looking at them as, as though they're the ones who are weird. You know? Like, what are you, what are you still doing here? Do you remember the story of Saint Peshoi when he was old? There's many stories about St. Peshoy, But when he was old, old, old man, Jesus appeared to him or an angel appeared to him, I can't remember, and told him that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to appear on the mountain. And he gathered all of, all of the young monks and all the disciples and he told them that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to appear on the mountain. So what tomorrow? So what did they do? Everybody woke up early and everybody started going up the mountain, going up the mountain. And then there was an old man, just an old man, who's sitting by the side of the mountain, and he asked the monks, where are you going? And they said, we're well, going up the mountain. Jesus said he's going to appear on the mountain. He said, oh, that's beautiful. Can you take me with you? I want to see him. And all the younger monks said, look, man, like, look, this is Jesus, you know, so if it was anybody else, you know what I mean? Sure, I'd like, you know, but you're going to slow me down. So, sorry, you know what? We'll, we'll take, I'll take a selfie, you know, and I'll show you a picture when, when I come back, or whatever, right? And they all all of them, you know, you know, kind of brushed him off. saint Peshoi saw him, right? And, and he told him, Will you carry me up the mountain? He told him, Look, Saint Peshoi told him, I'm, I'm a very old man. But I'll do my best. We'll see we'll see how far we get. So he picked him up and he put him on his shoulder, and he found that he was very light. He found that this man was like he was like a like a bag of like a bag of feathers or something, like a a like a pillow. And he's carrying him up the mountain. And as he went up the mountain, he got heavier and heavier and heavier. He found... At one point, St. Pishoy realized that he just couldn't carry him anymore. So he told them, look, I'm not able to carry you anymore. But I'll put you down here and we'll wait together. I'll wait with you until the monks come down. And they can tell us how they met the Lord Jesus and what he told them. And so... And as he was... As he was putting him down, he saw the nail prints in his wrists and the nail prints in his feet. And he saw that this was the Lord, that this was the Lord Jesus Christ. The expectation of the people of God is that when they know that God is somewhere, they're all going to run in that direction. They're all going to run in that direction. The expectation of the blind man was that when, when the Pharisees... When the, when the Pharisees hear that there's a man who can create eyes. If I mean, these guys are, these are the religious gurus. You know, these are the, these are the people who like, you know, all of us, we kind of like, we're kind of into church and into not really, but we have other responsibilities in life and we're doing our best and we try to pray and so on. But like these guys, these guys that they pray all day, all they do is study the law and, and categorize it and, and memorize it and this and that. That's, that's what they do full time right? So these guys, these guys, these are, these are it, man. These are, these are, these are the hardcore religious guys, right? So if, if there's a, if, if God has sent some prophet or Messiah or something and he's over there, I mean, the expectation of the little guy is that these guys are going to go running after him. How about you? How about me? Eventually, he realizes, after like the fifth time, he's going through the conversation with him. Who opened your eyes? Jesus opened my eyes. Who opened your eyes? Jesus. He realizes, these guys aren't going to go. These guys aren't going to go. These guys just want to talk. These just guys want to sit around and talk. So he asks them. He asks them, do you, why are you asking me again? I told you already, and you didn't listen. You didn't listen and do. You didn't listen and obey. So, why are you asking me again? Do you want to be his disciples, he's asking. Notice all of this, and he still doesn't know who Jesus is. He just knows that Jesus, he just knows that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is something very real. Because he didn't have eyes, and he has them now. This, This blind man is asking you, and he's asking me. Do you want to be his disciple. If so, hear his word. Hear his word. Listen. Not just with your auditory apparatus that's on the two sides of your head. No. Listen with your hands and feet. Listen with your heart. Do something about it. Jesus says, ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying a wise man and a foolish man. What's the difference? In the Gospel of Luke, he says, they both came out. They both listened. But one of them didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. May we be, may we be like this man who didn't even know who this man was and when he gave him a commandment go and wash in the pool of Siloam he just did it he just did it there's a beautiful conversation between him and Jesus at the very end of the gospel which we just read and at the end of John 9 he says to him Jesus says to him do you believe in the son of God and and until this point the blind man still doesn't know He was a beggar he didn't go to school, he doesn't know how to read, he, doesn't know how to, he doesn't, didn't have Braille back then, or I don't know if they did or they didn't, I don't know the history of Braille, but this guy certainly didn't know anything, okay? He says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man looks to Jesus and he says, who is he that I may believe in him? Jesus says to him, it is the one who is speaking with you. Immediately he bows down before him. Who is somebody that you remember that had a conversation with Jesus and immediately he bowed down and worshipped him and said, my Lord and my God? Thomas, after the resurrection. I want to tell you something. In this day and age, we oftentimes are concerned that there is not enough evidence to believe in God. Yes, I believe that there should be evidence for you to believe in God and that your faith should be rational. You're never going to have enough evidence to make any decision in life. There's not, nothing that, you know, there's always, you have enough evidence to carry you so far to make you convinced, and then you make a leap of faith. Everything is like that, right? What car should you buy? You go, you go car shopping, this, that, and so on, what, or any other major purchase you're going to do. You research it, you look, you read, you ask for advice, you read the reviews, and you develop enough confidence to make a decision without remorse. And then, boom, you make the decision, right? No, it's always like that. But you don't have, you don't have bulletproof, you know you, know, you know, you don't know for fact that it's going to work or it's not going to work or whatever, right? You collect enough evidence and then you make a decision, right? And you believe that you made the right decision. You hope that it's going to work, work out well. There, we, we somehow have, have, have accepted that there isn't enough evidence to believe in God, but... Uh, I think I should just believe in Him anyways, right? I want to tell you this is a lie. If you feel that you don't have enough evidence to believe in God, ask Him for the evidence. Like the blind man said, Who is He, Lord, that I may believe in Him? Ask for the evidence. Like Thomas asked for the evidence. God is delighted to give you the evidence. If only... You will react as they did and worship him and say, my Lord and my God. And worship him and say, yes, Lord, I believe like this man. God is calling you and he's calling me. And he's telling you, I know this is not the first liturgy that you attend. I know you've heard this conversation before. Yes, this may be the 17th millionth time that you've heard this conversation. Right? That you've participated that you've participated in this experience of reliving with Christ his last supper with his disciples. That's what we're doing in the liturgy and we're receiving him and we're exchanging his life for ours and a whole lot of other things, right? And I know you, you, you know all of that, right? But God is asking you and he's asking me, are you willing as you leave, as you leave this place, are you willing to be his disciple? are you willing to be obedient to his voice and that brings us to the catholic epistle which i'm just going to touch on really quickly right in the catholic epistle it says something absolutely extraordinary it says it says that god if we if, if we receive the witness of men the witness of god is greater what does that mean he's saying that if we if we accept sometimes To hear from others their experiences of things. What is a witness? When you witness to something, you, you have seen something, you have touched something, you have heard about something, and you go and you tell somebody who hasn't had those experiences. Right? What does a witness in court do? They tell the court what they saw, what they heard, what they, you know, what they, you know, perceived, however that happened. Right? They go and tell people who haven't heard it right they're giving a historical account of their of their own experiences st st john is saying look if you accept the witness of people right you're going to say like well i don't know about this whole court stuff no no but we we all, we take people's word we take people's word i tell you oh, i went to this great restaurant it was fantastic a great place you should really go there right i went there i liked it and now i'm giving you a good review right how many of us here go shopping online how many of here go shopping online and don't read the reviews how many th- you only do that once and then you realize that you really have to read the reviews right so i take i take other people's word st john is saying if you're willing to take other people's word right if you're willing to read the reviews and believe the person who wrote this Right? That they're not writing this for some ulterior motive. They're just writing this so they can give good advice to the next guy who comes down the line. Why not believe all the more? Why not believe all the more the witness of God? And he's saying the God who is, who want, who is witnessing lives inside of you. And what is his witness? What is his testimony? What is, he, what is he testifying to? He's testifying to the fact that there is eternal life found in Jesus Christ. And then that is given to you. So, I, I want to ask you a question. What percentage certainty do you have of the kingdom of heaven? God forbid, God forbid, you parked across the street, you're crossing the street to go to your car, you get hit by the streetcar, and that's it. You're in, you're, you know... Are you, going to, are you going to paradise or not? What degree of certainty do you have right now in this moment of eternal life? St. John is telling you, and he's telling me, that the degree of certainty you have of eternal life is directly proportional to the relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Because all day long, he's going to be talking to you about eternal life and about how it is yours in Jesus Christ. Don't accept it from me. Because. Don't listen to me. I don't know how many preachers you've heard telling you don't listen to me. Right? But don't, don't, don't take it from me. Take it from God. Take it from God. That he. His desire. The desire of his heart. Is to give you eternal life. Jesus says it is my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom but nothing I'm going to say is ever going to convince you of that. I can pull a thousand Bible verses for you. I can pull a thousand quotes from you from modern day and, and ancient philosophers. I can, I can pull all kinds of stuff for you. None of it is going to convince you as much as hearing God in you, inside of you telling you that the kingdom of heaven is yours and speaking to you about the mysteries of the kingdom of God and that this is yours. That like it was saying in the Pauline, you have been grafted in. Like, you've been attached. You have been attached on. You have been joined. The join, the join, you know, the, the grafting is, is uh, for, for maybe, f- I'm, I'm not so familiar with agriculture, so I have to read a little bit about this. Maybe you're very familiar, right? Grafting is when they take a branch which looks really fruitful off of a vine or an olive tree or a fig tree or something like that. And it's, it's very fruitful, but the, the rest of the tree looks like it's sick and dying. But that branch still looks really good. So instead of saying, we'll just burn the whole tree, they say, let's try to save that branch. So what they do is they cut the branch and then they find another tree which looks pretty solid or another vine which looks pretty solid. And then they, and then they make a cut on the, on the host on the host tree. And then they take it, and they take the, the the branch, and they put it onto the host one, and they tie it, right? And they tie it really tight, and they usually tie, leave it tied like that for a whole season, sometimes a whole year. Um, when I went to some vineyards and I was asking them how they do this, they said sometimes they just let it fall off the the, the tie. They just let it fall off naturally. And there's lots more details about it that are very interesting that all could have spiritual, you know, significances. But for the moment, I want to just ask you, what is the join, what is the glue that has glued me to the host, to the host tree? It is the Holy Spirit. It is your relationship with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I beg you from all my heart to pray during the liturgy today and ask God, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Lord, you said in Scripture, in the, God, in the Epistle of St. John, That you are a witness greater than any other witness and that you are inside each one of us, dwelling inside each one of us to witness to me about eternal life. I want to hear you speaking to me about eternal life. I love Father John. He's a really nice guy. You have to say that, right? I'm just kidding, right? But that's not, that's not, that's not good enough for me. That's not good enough for me. I want to hear it from you, Lord. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth, Lord. I want to take it from you. I want to hear about the mysteries of your kingdom. You promised, Lord, that you would share with us the mysteries of your kingdom. You promised, Lord, that you have gone on ahead of us to prepare a place for us. Share with me. Talk with me. Tell me about the mysteries of your kingdom. This will give us to be kingdom-minded people. This will give us to be like this blind man who is ready to, f- to do anything the Lord Jesus Christ says, no matter how crazy it sounds. Glory be to God forever and ever, Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray.